Support for this podcast comes from PulseM. PulseM is the number one review generation platform built for home services. The majority of certain path members use PulseM for Google reviews, customer communication through text messaging, and much more. To quote Bubba Thurman of Baker Brothers, I can't say enough good things about PulseM. They match our core values and they do an unbelievable job. For more information, please visit pulsem.me. And Customer Lobby. Customer Lobby is a new member of the Certain Path Partner Network. Did you know it costs five times more to get a new customer than it does to retain an existing one? Customer Lobby gets you more repeat business by automatically sending postcards and emails to your customers at exactly the right time. Customer Lobby is the best way for certain path contractors to increase revenue and make sure their customers are coming back again and again. To quote Jeff Katz from Clinton Electric, Customer Lobby expanded our business to people that we never would have gotten revenue from. For more information, please visit CustomerLobby.com. Welcome to Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath, formerly Success Group International, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. As a reminder, all episodes of The Successful Contractor are available on YouTube, as well as your podcast player of choice. And for more information on how CertainPath can put your contracting company on a certain path to success, visit our new website, www.mycertainpath.com, or give us a call at 866-299-8505. I'm excited to bring to you an interview with Rachel Cummings and Rustin Mays of KMP Plumbing, Heating, and Air in Mansfield, Texas. Uh, Rachel and Rustin are siblings running a family business their parents, Kim and Robbie, began in 1985. Uh, and business has been booming for this brother-sister combo. Uh, when they joined Certain Path in 2018-2019, they were primarily a new construction company doing a little bit of residential service and replacement. Uh, and they were doing $14.5 million in sales, so obviously a successful business. But today, they're on target to do $20 million, and a third of that is residential service and replacement and they're doing it very profitably. They're very happy with their their, their change. Uh, so for any contractors looking to diversify into service, this will be a great interview. For those of you who've been doing service for years, Rachel and Rustin offer some great insights that can benefit you as well. Uh, we talk about culture specifically, but lots of other great things too. So without further ado, here's Rachel Cummings and Rustin Mays, KMP Plumbing, Heating, and Air in Mansfield, Texas. Hope you enjoy our conversation and take away a nugget or two. Rachel and Rustin, thank you so much for taking some time with me today. I really appreciate it. For uh, those who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, kind of share with everyone your name, your company name, and where you guys are located. Sure. Thanks for having us today. Um, my name is Rustin Mays. We are with KMP Plumbing, Heating, and Air out of Mansfield, Texas. My name is Rachel Cummings, and we are brother and sister. <laughs> Very good. Brother and sister working together. I don't know if you hear that a whole lot. Uh, how much are your mom and dad still involved? Are they are they kind of retired? Do they still like to, to, to partake in the business? Uh, no, they're they're retired. Have been for, I mean, it's one of them deals my dad likes to work. So he really slowly retired over a long period of time. But uh, how would you, long would you say he's been away? Probably seven years at least. I was going to say six to seven. Yeah. Okay. That's great. There wasn't like a day he said, all right, I'm done. Yeah. It just all of a sudden he just stopped showing up as consistently. Yep. <laughs> That's great. Well, I understand it's just, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's like a baby, you know, if you, you 
work that hard on something, it's hard to let it go. I respect that. Um, we're, we're talking for a great reason. You guys have just been really killing it the last uh, couple years in particular. Kind of share with everyone your chance to brag on yourselves, how you've grown from, you shared off camera with me from 2020 to 2022. And uh, yeah, let everyone know where you're going. Sure. Um, well, we um, really established, we joined SGI 2018 and um, really wanted to put an emphasis on home service. So our company was founded on home service, but we kind of moved away from that a little bit, got into commercial construction and some other things and yeah. uh, really has just been putting a big emphasis on that. And, and it's been growing. We've added HVAC last year and, uh, you know, it just complemented our plumbing service and uh, just growing exponentially. That's great. That's great. Now, I mean, let's say, like, I think you told me you guys started, uh, what, 2020 did 14.5 million and you're hoping to do what, 20 this year? Yes, sir. That's fantastic. Now, two thirds of that is is commercial construction, but still, uh, you said basically service was basically brand new when you when you joined us, right? I mean, you had some of it, but it, it wasn't a priority at that point. It wasn't, no, it wasn't a priority. I mean, at the time we were doing less than a million a year probably. Maybe a little more than that, but um, yeah, it just wasn't a, wasn't the emphasis that we had, and uh, you know, since then we we've really been trying to build that side of it up and uh, really bring in it to be more of a percentage of our business. Yeah. Now, now why now why the the decision to kind of be more diversified? I mean, obviously you probably had a very good you know construction business, and that, I'm assuming that's doing well. You've been in business a long time. Why why the emphasis on on service and replacement? You know, I think uh, several factors. We we saw the value in it. We saw the um, you know the profit margins were more than we were used to in, in commercial construction. But just not yeah. only that, the people business and it, it seemed to really align with the foundation and principles of our business. And, uh, That's great. You know, just seemed to click. Yeah. Now, you know, on just real quick on the on the construction side, commercial construction, do you guys have a sweet spot, something you guys are are really good at, or do you just do an assortment of projects? You know, really, we do an assortment of projects. We've got, yeah. uh, you know, small to large, you know, high rises and things like that. Okay. Now, on uh, on the service side, Kensfield Mansfield, or excuse me, it's, uh, I'm, I butchered it already, Mansfield Kennedale. It's really south of the DFW, right? It's pretty much that southern part. Do you guys yes, service the, the entire Metroplex or is it mostly just the Southern part? You know, we try to stay, so we've got a 60 mile radius. We try to stay, um, you know, Fort Worth, Dallas and South. Yeah. Um, that's, that's kind of our sweet spot area. Really okay. Arlington and that corridor, you know, between the two. Okay. All right. So you probably, you run into all sorts of members. <laughs> I'm guessing just a milestone and Baker brothers and rescue. Do you guys compete against them a lot? Oh yes. Yeah. And see, you're still yeah. doing well, right? So that's good to hear for people. That, you know, you can still have a growing business even with big, big members and competitors, and and get along. You can, yeah. There's there's plenty of work for everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dallas, uh, I think you guys are doing okay in terms of population. You know, if anything, so you're gonna be okay. Uh, let's let's talk about you two. You know, your mom and dad. Okay, they started the business in 1985. Uh, like you said, it was went into service originally, and then it, you know it, it grew in other things. But how about you guys? Did you always expect you'd end up in the the family business or did you rebel at some point and come back? Uh, how about you guys? What's your story? Well, Rick started first. I'll let her take that one. Um, Go ahead, Rachel. No, I, did, I did not think I would be here. So I went to school to be an accountant and then okay. I worked for a year as an auditor 
And my dad had called and said, hey, my accountant's leaving. Do you want to come to work with me? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of one of those things. I ended up, I said, yes. So I moved up here. And that was in 2008. That's great. Set the hooks in. I just need your help for a little bit. And then boom, 15 some odd years later, 20 years later, whatever it's been now, you're still there. But that's that's good. That's great. Rust, how about you? I mean, uh, I'm sure you probably got pulled along in trucks and such over the years and, and were exposed to the trades for a long time. Does it Was this just an expectation you'd come into the business too? Not really. Um, so I was an indecisive kid. Well, I'm still indecisive at times. And um, Graduated, I went to college and really just couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. I knew I had some interests and some things I thought I was decent at, you know, mathematics yeah. and things like that. I like numbers. Um, and then I went to Sam Houston State in Huntsville and they had a good construction program. And okay. So at the time, we were really probably 90, 95% construction at that time. Yeah. And so went to school for that. My background actually is commercial construction. And okay. when I graduated, um, you know, I thought, what better opportunity than to help work in the family business and grow that side. So that's kind of how that ended up. Now, what year was that that you came back into the fold? I actually started in December of 2011. 2011. Okay. Now, yeah. I got to ask because, it, you know, it just, it's just, it, it's like on that, that unfortunate thing, COVID, that, that becomes a landmark in a lot of small business. You know, I was around uh doing this in 2008 2009 when the housing market went bananas you guys were in construction how did you rachel you you probably remember more because you were in it how did you guys survive uh survive the construct i mean i'm telling you i feel like half of our our new members came after the the, the bust because they were in construction looking for a new way so how did you guys survive it back then just lean so and I, mean i started march of 08 and yeah. it hit like the fourth quarter of 08 is when it started. So <laughs> I was kind of right, right at the beginning of it. And the only reason I will say we probably survived is our father was very smart with money. And yeah. so he didn't spend what he didn't have. And that we had quite a bit of savings. And that's somewhat how we made it through. We also, yeah. during that time, met <clears throat> PD Industries. And yep. so we started a job with them and then that's kind of, we were trying to diversify what we were doing because yep. before then we were just doing a lot of school work. Mm. And so we met some really good people during that time and that's how we survived through that. Man, that's great. I mean, it, that's, that's remarkable. So, all right. So, so you get through the recession, uh, Russ, and you joined the business. How did things, so it, primarily, I mean, any residential service and replacement? I mean, it sounds like a little bit, but really your focus was growing the commercial side. It was back then. Um, you know, we still had service. We've always had it. Um, it just wasn't a focus. And so okay. I actually worked in service for probably six months when I started. I, you know, I come kind of green to the trades, really. I'd worked in the summers a little bit, but, uh, yeah. you know, for the most part, green to it and worked with the service side for a while. And then uh, moved out to one of the T projects actually, and really enjoyed the commercial construction side. I had a degree in it, you know, but I started sure. in the field as an apprentice and, uh, you know, kind of learned both, both sides of it growing up. Okay. Very good. Very good. Now let's talk. Um, obviously we're talking for a reason. You're part of an organization. You joined, like you said, in this late 2018, 2019. How did you, how did you find out about SGI now, now certain path? Well, how did that come about? Uh, that's actually a, um, <laughs> 
really funny, interesting story. So, <clears throat> excuse me, at the time, um, we had a GM that was actually over Rachel and I. Um, okay. He had been with the business since 2005 or six, And, you know, so we kind of grew up under him. And we had worked with uh, Roger Wakefield. I'm sure you know who that is. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we had worked with him at uh, a commercial project. And okay. he had known we had started putting some emphasis on service. And he had joined SGI a little bit before that. And was like, yeah. hey, you guys have to come be a part of this. Like, it's great. The networking and just what they teach you. And uh, it, it was how it happened. We went to a profit day. And here we are. That's funny. Yeah. Social media star Roger Wakefield now. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, so where was the profit at? Was it at like Baker Brothers or Milestone or was it like a hotel? It wasn't. It was at a hotel, wasn't it? In Corpus Christi, Texas. Oh, in Corpus. Okay. Yeah. So um, David, our old GM that uh, is no longer with us, but he loved deep sea fishing. He actually owned a boat down there. Oh. <laughs> and he was like, hey, this is perfect. We'll go perfect. to this place. We'll entertain this SGI thing, whatever that is, and we'll go fishing. <laughs> Boom, all of a sudden you're like, oh man, what did we do? Now, yeah, now we yeah. got some well, work to do. So Patrick led led it for you guys, and I can still yeah. remember all the things he said in that profit day, and it all just resonated with us. We were That's very perfect. skeptical at first. We were. Sure. You know, sure. we, we just thought, oh, it's going to be somebody else that you know, wants your money. And then yeah. when we did the profit day, we were completely you know, turned around and we're going, yeah. this is something sure. we need to do. Yeah, that's understandable. That's totally understandable. All right. Um, I want to get into like the nuts and bolts of your organization today, because I thank you for sending me your org chart. I think it's absolutely fascinating going through operations and determining, you know, who's running what and how that came about. But before I do that, because you guys are so unique in that, you know, you brought on the service and replacement almost kind of brand newish, you know, uh, I want to explore how you grew that that segment of the business. So all right, so you you join Profit Day, you go to EP probably shortly thereafter, right? So did you both go, or or just one of you go, or how did that go? First of all, yeah, we both we did. Both went. <laughs> you both went. Okay, what was that experience like? You know, it was a lot, a lot <laughs> to take in. Um, you know, like what she said, our our dad had been very successful in business, just a different aspect of it, and. Um, so, you know, a lot of the accounting and the business side of it, we felt like we knew. Yeah, now, there was a lot we needed to, you know, shore up on. And just for our own personal growth, we needed to learn and, and um, you know, things like that. But uh, just from the whole aspect of every part of the business and how every part is complements each other, and how every part is, is key, you know, I think it, it really helps to bring it all into, into focus. Right, right. So when you guys, uh, when you left EP, you go, oh, man, we've got a, we got a lot to do, but we always kind of try and challenge people to think of maybe two or four things to really focus on. What were your, you know, two or four things you're like, okay, as soon as we get back, we got to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's so many things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we actually had a service fee at the time. Okay. But we waived it if the customer, you know, accepted. So that was to me one of our biggest obstacles was getting the technicians to keep the service fee and we raised it and we raised pricing. So I would say that was probably our biggest thing that we went right back to kind of do was raise pricing, do the price book, and then the service fee. Okay. Okay. Now were you guys doing residential replacement HVAC also at that time or was it just plumbing? Just plumbing. 
it was just plumbing. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. When now, when did when did the residential replacement uh, HVAC start? Uh, last June. That was last June. Okay, so that's a whole new baby of itself. All right, well, we'll get into that in a minute. So, so you went through those those gamut of changes. Did you adopt straightforward pricing, or did you kind of use your own flat rate type system? We had already had a type of flat rate pricing, and yeah. I remember when they were explaining, you know, the levels to me. I was going, there's no way you can have <laughs> 600, you know, service jobs in 10 levels. Yeah. So that was very somewhat mind-blowing. Sure. Because, I mean, we had a flat rate pricing book that we used, but when we went to the levels and understanding that, I was kind of, wow, this is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah makes sense. I, you know, I think every member says that, but that's literally step one is, is look at your pricing. Look at the straightforward pricing guide if you're not already doing some form of that mm -hmm. um and that's that's what we did first and you know we started out at the time i guess on the 275 book and and um at the time we thought that was crazy but you know that's where that's where we started and i think that's key yeah 225 i'm sorry at the time this was early 2019 so i don't think we had raised our prices in like six years Oh yeah. I'm embarrassed to say that. No, that's okay. That's pretty common, actually. It's we literally pretty... have not raised them since 2013, I believe. And yeah. That's, it's, you know. That, anyway. No, no, that's that's interesting, but that's pretty common, and so I wouldn't be embarrassed by that. So, how many service plumbers did you have at that time? I mean, or or was were they segmented, or did they, you know, they did construction sometimes, they did service sometimes, or or they were still know. they were still 100 percent service. Um, okay. You know, three ish, four. Yeah. 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 How did they now? How did? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Rachel. Please. Oh no, okay. I was gonna say we we kind of went up and down some with our sure. service tech, and oh, yeah. a lot of that has to do with the leadership training, um, yeah. putting the right people in the right places type of training that we've went through through certain paths. Yeah. That helped us a lot in figuring out who was in the right spot on the bus. So. Right. Right. So who was were now who was managing those technicians at first? Rustin, were you or or did you have the, the, another manager? You know, I mean, this is a new division. I mean, who was who's keeping on them and helping them be successful? We actually had a service manager and he, we uh, brought him on 2013 or 2014. And so he had been a part of the service business for you know several years leading up to that. OK, um, but it just really wasn't doing what you know, what we needed it to do, what we wanted. Yeah, yeah. So did he push back on some of these changes that you made early on? Uh, no, not really. I mean, he, he, you know, he tried to bring them in and, and bring in new ideas and, and yeah. uh, you know, really trying to take something that we really weren't doing any of and, and, you know, introduce all of these things to try to get it done. Yeah, yeah. Now, was there much... I'm assuming it sounds like there was a lot of turnover over the initial couple of years with technicians. That's totally natural because they go, ah, wait a minute, I was doing this this way and now you're asking me to do all that. So, but that's just something you had to, to get over with, right? That's just part of it. There is, yeah. I mean, at one point we had 10 or 12 service technicians, um, yeah. you know, but like Rachel said, it, it was either the wrong, the wrong person in the organization, just wanted to wrap it, you know, um, or wrong seat on the bus, things like that. Right. So it's so it sounds like do you, I mean it sounds like you probably stabilized uh, your department in terms of techs. You probably have some that have been with you a little bit. What's been the big difference? Who's been who's been doing the hiring and who's helped you find maybe some quality candidates that are also fit this new service model? Combination. 
So um, we have an HR manager, but right now, you know, with 103 employees, uh, yeah. she does all payroll, all compliance, all insurance. Um, so a combination of her and myself. Okay. I do a lot of it for the field and things like that. Rachel handles the hiring and stuff for the office. Okay. Um, but uh, it's, it's teamwork for sure. Because, you know, we don't have a full-time recruiter right now, although I think we're probably on the verge of that. I think you're uh, ready for it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah, right now it's, it's uh, a, a team team event. Sure. Now, this is for both of you. Now, when you're interviewing, I mean, you're looking for certain characteristics in people, right? I mean, if you've been doing this a little bit, you've said you've gone through some training, or what are some things that you look, whether it's someone for the field or for the office, you're like, that's the type of person we need to bring into the family business? Culture, 100%. It's, you know, we've learned that through in the last several years of SGI is just, um, you know, you used to, we we did, you know, we interviewed for skill or for, or for experience or for, yeah. you know, the position in the trade or whatever and you can teach those things you cannot teach culture you cannot teach you know integrity and a lot of these kind of right. things that align with our, our core values of faith family commitment and uh, when we started doing that and looking for those right candidates that fit what our core values were you know and what our what our vision for the company was uh that just makes the world a difference that's great. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it, it's core values. Did you have core values initially, or was it just maybe a mission statement the business had for a long time, or how do those come about? <laughs> <laughs> I saw yeah. luck. Yeah, for the longest time, we were making a website. This was several years ago. I hadn't been here very long. I'm, according to Rachel, like the wordy one, you know, I, I write all of the important emails that we sent. But, um, so I would literally just written some down to put on our website. This was for several years. And then after we joined SGI, we realized how important that was. We actually established all new ones. Um, That's great. Just a few years ago. Yeah. And so, and they were completely different than the ones we had. So once that was established, then we could start, everything was, you know, built around that. We could start hiring off that. We could start firing, unfortunately, off that or, you know, sure. reassigning them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's just the truth. So how did you... This is this is good. This is a good line of questioning because I think this is really important for people because you had an established business that was successful and you went, hey, let's hold up and reassign or rethink about what matters to us, what our core values are. So was it just a process of the two of you sitting down in a conference room and, and brainstorming or you've got management now, you know, a management team? Did you guys all sit and talk about it or, or what was that process like for you guys? Yes, um, we've actually, so our operations manager on the commercial side, he's been with us um, 16 years now, going on 17, oh, I believe. And the three of us sat down and, and just talked through, you know, what was important to us. What was, we actually went through the Simon Sinek book, Find Your Why. Yeah, yeah. And um, so we went through that, um, you know, read a couple other things. Um, and yeah, we, we come up, so we have, core values, faith, family, commitment, and then we have our why statement. I think a lot of different people call it different things, whether it's vision or, or whatever. Um, so, and then we establish as a group our why statement, like why does our business exist? Yeah. And, you know, ours is to build, develop, and inspire our team so they can live a better quality of life. That's great. And, you know, that's, as a team, that's what we felt like, why we existed and, and what we were here for. That's neat. Now, how did you roll? Did, did you have like a, a meeting, a company meeting to roll this out to the team? Or did all of a sudden it just kind of slowly integrate into the business with some signage and you start talking about it? Or what did you guys do? Um, multiple things. So at the time we were doing all of that, we were semi redecorating the office. 
So yeah. we ended up, we did several different wall wraps. And so yeah. we put that statement in every one we did. We started doing, we call them lunch and learns, where we get the whole company in yeah. office on like a Friday. And we'll do training or, you know, kind of where we're headed. But at the beginning of each one, Rustin is the talker. So Rustin <laughs> actually goes through <laughs> our why statement every single quarter for new employees or just, you know, making sure everybody knows that's important to us. So I think we did a combination of a couple different things to kind of roll it out. That's great. That's fantastic. All right. So, all right, let's, let's talk a little more uh, business type, hard business. You, you, when you jo joined, you, you know, plumbing service was kind of newish. I mean, really focusing on it at least. Right. And then you said, what was it a year or two ago, you, you kind of rolled out let's, let's do residential service and replacement on the HVAC side. Now, why, why the decision other than money to do that? It was just a good opportunity, right? <laughs> because we're not very smart. I mean, this is the explanation. <laughs> So it was just one of those things that being around construction my whole life and the yeah. trades that I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, our dad mirrored that same thing he wanted to a long time ago as well, just never had the opportunity. Sure. And, you know, working through the SGI process and just really redefining our whole business. You know, I think Gus had, had gave a speech at one of the expos maybe and was like, hey, if you ever want to add a different trade, don't do it. Like, why would you do that? <laughs> And so Rachel was always a conservative one, like, hey, he says we need to be operationally excellent yeah. before we do this, and we are yeah. definitely not. No. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we fought that back and forth for, for oh, yeah. years, and um, really finally, you know, are we operationally excellent 100%? No, we still don't believe that. I don't think sure. we ever will, but we felt like we were at a place enough where we had the foundation. Yeah. That um, you know, we had a management meeting like we always do at the beginning of the year, really late the year before. And we established our goals and things we wanted to do. And, okay. uh, you know, in 2021, that was what we wanted to do. So, uh, you know, that's what we did. That's great. So what, what were the first steps? Did you hire a, a manager to run that division and then help you drive that, that new segment of the business? Or I see a smirk from Rachel. So it sounds like there's a good story. <laughs> well, it's another one of the things. If Gus is listening to this, tell him he was right because he wanted to say don't do it. Um, it was a little rocky at first. So we had looked at buying three different businesses and sure. worked through the process, you know, all the way down to the financials and talking details and things like that. And all three of them fell through. Yeah. And so you're like, maybe that's not it. Maybe that's not the route we need to go. And so we we just literally run an ad like we were hiring, you know, a service technician. Yeah. And actually brought somebody on. And we were still early on in learning how to hire. That sure. our business and our core values and the way we wanted to do things. And so mm -hmm. the first one lasted about three months. We, we rolled HVAC. Um, we told all our customers, plumbing customers, we were going to, you know, do HVAC and there we're off and we're doing stuff. And then that yeah. just, you know, kind of went up in a ball of flames. And so <laughs> back to the drawing board, we basically went through the same process again. And yeah. just, I felt like the second go around really had a good grip on what we wanted and who we were after. And sure. Fortunate enough, was able to hire that person again, and he's been with us over a year now, and uh, really taken off with the HVAC department. Now, I didn't—I don't have the gentleman's name, but I wrote down: is, it, is, is that your HVAC service manager? Is that that's yes, hiding? Okay, that's the gentleman who runs that. And then he—he he has under him what, like, looks like three, what, three techs and two installers, or or what's that team look like then? Yes, sir. Three techs, two installers. 
Okay. And then, and, all right. Very good. All right. And so that they run service and maintenance and how about club memberships? Was that something that you did on the plumbing side before and maybe expanded that into HVAC or, or has that been a newer thing or what do you say? Well, we didn't do memberships before SGI. So we had started plumbing memberships. Yeah. We're, we're not the best at them still, sure. but we're working on it. So yeah. yes, we had already had the core membership and then when we did HVAC we ended up doing the HVAC only and then a combined membership. So we do have that. We're still that's one of our things we're working on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's understandable. That's understandable. It's a little easier on the HVAC side selling it though. It is much easier on the HVAC yeah, yeah. side. People people are more ingrained to, to kind of know that that's a good thing to have. Um, that's fascinating. So well, how about who handles the sales component on HVAC? Do the technicians sell then? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so the uh, Billy, our service manager, he had a good background in sales. Okay. And so, you know, he handles a lot of it up front. And then um, as we brought on additional technicians and he's trained them and, and worked with them on the sales side of it. So we have selling technicians the way we're structured. That's great. That's great. Okay. Well, we'll get in more in the, the details and how training and stuff like that. And then I want to talk, uh, I, as I alluded to earlier, I'd like to talk kind of the work chart a little bit and who's reporting to you just so people get a, a mindset. I think it helps because so many companies in our in our space are growing and they don't know who to add when and all that stuff. Now, Rachel, let's let's start with you. You've got a whole host of folks. You've got someone in AR, you got two AP people, two CSRs, a dispatcher, an HR manager who we talked about earlier, right? That helps you with the uh, with hiring. What is an outreach director? I saw that and I was like, oh, that's unusual. I was like, I gotta ask about that. That's our hybrid. She does marketing along with like employee retention. So oh, okay. she, yes. So we have her just, that's, Rustin actually got, they came up with the name. So she has two facets of her job is she does all of her social media posts, ideas, yeah. um, you know, just different things in marketing. But then she also, she'll go to job sites. She'll take videos and pictures of the guy. She'll take him to lunch. So she's somewhat of an employee retention director manager, yeah. if you want to call her. So she sure. does both. She ended up, she was actually with us doing HR. Okay. And she has just a people personality. She's outgoing. And so after Culture Index, we yeah. decided, you know what? We think maybe this might be a better fit for her. And so we talked to her about it and she was on board and we've never looked back. So she's pretty much now that's great that's great uh you you said culture index so i got to follow up with that how mm -hmm. how did uh, well, how long have you been utilizing culture index and how has it helped the business over a year uh last june i believe yeah mm -hmm. it is the best thing <laughs> we've ever done is that right and i'm i'm what like i want to see their culture index and i'm going to look at that before i ever even look at your uh, resume and right. so then it kind of, I, we love it. It's made a huge difference in just our company, putting the right people in the right spot, understanding why maybe they act the way they do. They do, sure, yeah. 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 It's, uh, yeah. We we are huge fans. We really believe in it. Love Mark, you know, he, he uh, did our training early on and, um, you know, going through just the whole SBI process and after EP and just all the management leadership stuff you go through, um, it, it's great. And culture index basically is just the icing on top that 
Yeah. It helps you understand people and, you know, we're in the people business. Everybody says that the yep. better you understand them, the better off you are, the better we can work together. Right. Do you feel like the culture index has really helped you more understand how to interact with people based on their personalities, or has it helped you slot certain personalities for certain positions as well? Both. Both. I mean, okay. we've had guys that were on our commercial construction side and we identified them like, Hey, that would probably be a good service technician brought them over to their children, you know, yeah. and vice versa. And then like Rachel said, you know, Crystal's a great example. She was an HR, um, you know, not that she was doing bad, you know, she was no. doing good, but it really just felt like this was just her next level and this is where she could thrive. And that's where, you know, so we moved her and, uh, you know, that's happened several times. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when someone applies for a, a job with you guys, so let's this, cause you mentioned you want to look at that index before, <laughs> A resume and maybe you're kidding maybe you're not but what what's the process so they when do they fill that out i mean is it just part of like the indeed when they when they apply on data or what maybe kind of walk me through what that looks like for you guys sure um i, I mean I, like i say i'm in uh i do all the hiring for the field and most of the yeah. you know that side of it so we do look at the resume and then immediately we have uh, indeed set up where it sends out a culture index and you know that's basically step one and a half really yeah. after applying uh, fill out the culture index, you know, we'll review that. And then we start doing uh, interviews after that. Yeah. Okay. And you guys are, I'm assuming, are recruiting all the time, whether you're you're hiring or not, but I'm sure you're still hiring all the time, but you still always, yeah. always got to be recruiting. So um, that's, that's, that's great. Um, you mentioned marketing. So uh, it's a little early for me to talk marketing, but I, I do want to talk about it because you brought it up. You guys are a big business. You're growing, you're growing. Who manages marketing for you guys? I mean, do you have, is, is she your contact or, or one of you? primarily in charge of that? I'll let Rachel take that one. Yeah. Okay. I, I luckily got that job title over the last year. Uh, we actually have a third party that does a lot of our SEO website design yeah. stuff like that. And sure. so we work, our marketing or our outreach director, Crystal, she works with him hand in hand all throughout the year. And then I'm also involved. So, you know, I have a monthly meeting with her to kind of get an idea of um, trends, what she has planned for the upcoming, you know, quarter. Um, yeah. So I'm more involved with that side. Obviously, Rustin knows what's going on, but he doesn't want to be involved in the details. Yeah, everyone's hey, that's that's everyone's got their strong suits, right? But you got to mm -hmm. find someone to do it. Um, so it sounds like what it's PPC and SEO are your are your biggest drivers in marketing. Do you do you do any kind of like what we call traditional advertising, like radio or TV? I mean, you guys are a good size. You know, we do not, not right now. So we several years ago. Yeah. Um, we advertised on KLTY, so we did radio. Yeah. And we quickly realized that that at that time wasn't for us. So we've been throwing it around a little bit now. Recently, we have yeah. not pulled the trigger on anything yet because what we are doing is working for us, and you know how much we want to sure. grow and stuff. Yeah. But now we, we will still do the traditional. Uh, recently, she sent out you know the um, direct door mailers. We still mm -hmm. will send out, you know, Christmas cards, but a lot of it is all um, website internet based. Support for this podcast comes from Home Depot Pro Trades. At the Home Depot Pro Trades, our job is helping you do yours. Powered by HD Supply, we are uniquely positioned to help drive your business through unrivaled access to professional-grade plumbing, electrical, and HVAC products, and innovative business solutions such as our StockWise Inventory Management Program, fully customizable to meet your needs and improve productivity. 
our national network of distribution centers, and more than 2,200 store locations provide national reach with a local focus, giving unmatched convenience and product availability. We power pros to do more. To, to rewind clock a little bit, when you really you know joined us and said, let's really make service a priority on the plumbing side, mm -hmm. I mean, here you go, you're doing construction and everything. It's not like it's new home new construction where you can target those customers. What what are some things you did to, to kind of jumpstart that even more? Was it the same thing, just internet marketing? Or or did you have you guys bought anyone over the last couple of years to, to grab their client customer base? Or we have not. Uh, that's something Rustin really wants to do, and we've looked at it a couple of times, you know, we, I guess the right fit hasn't came along, so we have sure. not done that, but we did a, a ton of Google marketing, so <laughs> that's kind of where we started, and you know, we put a lot of money in that, and so as we've grown, you know, we've kind of diversified a little bit. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is, that's what it is today when I started, it was yellow page, <laughs> yellow page ads, and and everyone put all their money in Yelp ads, and now everything's in on PPC and SEO, and that's just how the world works at this point. Um, all right, so Rachel, we kind of talked about your direct reports. Rustin, let's go with you. You've got a bunch of commercial direct reports. You have a safety manager. Uh, you have a service operations manager, and that's you know he's got a, a quite a big group. What ten techs, three apprentices. You have a maintenance tech warehouse. Uh, we went through the HVAC side, right? How about the, so on the plumbing side, how many service plumbers do you have now? Is that the 10 techs or, or who, what does that, that division look like? Uh, it's actually nine right now. Um, okay. Nine techs, four apprentices is where we're running right now. With okay. The, with the service manager. Okay, very good. Now, most of the uh, technicians that you have, are, are there any homegrown? Or are you mostly hiring experienced technicians and, and, and teaching them your way or what, or has it been a mix? Really a mix, yes, sir. Um, you know, we like to homegrown, you know, homegrown, homegrown, homegrown our technicians. I know where you're going uh, with it. You know, yeah, you know, from the apprentice on. And so really right now we're probably a little apprentice heavy, but yeah. they are right. on the track to be technicians and that's what we would like to do. Um, so, but overall right now we're about a mix. Yeah, how, how long is it, I mean, has it been, you know, typically the, to get an apprentice up and rolling to get in a truck on, well, I guess each division is different, right? Because the state licensing in Texas and all that. So, I mean, what what is it? How many hours is it? I I can't keep it all straight with being in 50 states. So, uh, Texas is 4,000. So if they come to us and they don't have any experience at all, um, 4,000 hours equivalent to about two years. Yeah. And um, you know, through that process, though, we're training them to be a technician. They're working through the processes and the steps to a service call and things like that. Um, you know, unfortunately, some of the ones that we've been able to bring on had some experience. And so yeah. we can bring that time frame down a little bit to, you know, a year or less. Yeah. Uh, now, you said you've had some uh, commercial construction guys go, hey, I think maybe you'd be good over here. Do you do you get some that go, uh, that want to do make that switch? And sometimes you're like, I don't know if you're culture index and I know how you are. And I don't know if that's a good natural progression for you. I, I see some nodding. So how do you handle that situation when when Joe wants to, he sees the, the, the service techs making a killing and goes, I might want to do that, but you're like, I don't think that's going to work. So what, what do you do in those situations? A mighty good question. Um, you know, we explain to them about, you know, people being in the right seat on the bus and that, uh, yeah. you know, we're all on this bus riding together. And uh, right now with, with where you're at in your career and uh, things like that, we think that you're in the right seat on the bus where you're at. Right. And so, you know, we approach it like that and that, uh, you know, there's always room for growth and potential. So, you know, we'll yeah. talk to them what they need to do 
in the next steps of their career to get to where they want to be. If, if service is, is where that is, then uh, these are the steps you need to take to get there. Okay, so at least you open the door and you say, mm -hmm. this is what you need to do, and then they don't do it, and then everyone's, <laughs> yep. move along. Right, okay. Yes, sir. That's a tough question, but that's why one I wanted to ask. because it, it is. Um, all right, we've been talking, you know, your org chart, your, your, your direct reports. How about in general, how often do you guys talking, your management, talk, management team talking, do you, do you guys have huddles? Do you have, we, you know, weekly meetings so everyone knows what's going on? Kind of walk down the communication structure that you guys have so rachel and i both meet with our department managers once a week once um, a week okay you know we go over the numbers go over the kpis uh, depending on where we are in the month we go over month financials um you know go over basically everything within the department how's our yeah. team doing where can we you know shore up some training and things like that and um, yeah each department we meet once a week Okay. Do you guys do any like um, quarterly planning? I mean, you got a big company now. You've got you're setting big goals every year. That just doesn't happen. So you've you've got to make some time for that. So, how, what strategic planning look like for you guys at this stage? So every year we try to do better than the previous year. Sure, sure, <laughs> so yeah. We and can, you have been. I we've been trying. So um, I was actually just saying, hey, we need to schedule our budget you know, meeting. So I actually just did that today. But at the end of the year, you know, we kind of will sit down and have a good financial meeting or planning for the next year. And then kind of at the beginning of the next year, we'll somewhat do the same, see what changes or any more ideas. But I would say we meet probably quarterly. Quarterly. Yeah. Um, management and just, you know, go over financials, go over jobs, problems, issues good things we're doing things like that so yeah, yeah we <clears throat> that one's probably not as like structured and yeah. scheduled but right. you know it ends up to be about quarterly and we just go over where we're at where we are against our goals so this year is the first full year we've been using the sgi budget template mm -hmm. um okay great. full year and so it was hard for us because we wanted all of our departments on that sheet and so we really had to work with you guys and build one basically that fit all of our different departments, you know, because we're a little out of normal. And, uh, but, but we did, we got it all on there and, you know, that's now wonderful. we can track our progress to our goals and how we're doing financially and things like that. That's fantastic. You know, because you have so many divisions and you're growing so quickly, you gotta, you need a lot of manpower. I mean, is it, we talk, I, I was kidding, really talking about it, but it's true. You're recruiting all the time, but you, do you set certain goals? Like we're, we need to add three techs here. We need another, CCR here. I mean, how do you how do you approach the manpower planning? Is it is it just as as once you feel a pain point, like we need to get another person, or do you have an idea quarter by quarter what your staffing needs are going to be? Yeah, we do. We have an idea quarter by quarter, and it starts with that strategic planning uh, meeting at the beginning of the year. Okay. And so, you know, we'll have a plan this quarter. We need to add one technician, or you know, in the next two quarters, we need to add two, and. Um, the department managers are slowly actually being a part of the recruiting process and helping us out with that. And That's so, great. you know, we include them in what those projections look like. We start at the beginning of the year with our sales goals and we back into our average ticket, what that would look like and how many calls we'd run and what that would look like. And that will tell us how many technicians we need to end up with. Yeah. And uh, then, you know, where are we at versus where we need to be? And we build that plan according to that. That's great. Now, you're, you're, you're the gentlemen who are running the, the service side of things service replacement do they have i'm assuming trade backgrounds or are they more customer service backgrounds or 
What, uh, what are your backgrounds like? One is and one is not. So our okay, plumbing interesting. Manager, <clears throat> it is our plumbing manager we brought on this year, and we had some things within the department that we really felt like we needed to put attention to. Yeah. And so when we were looking for that manager, uh, we we basically said, look, we're going to need to live outside the the trade in looking for this. We're not saying we're not going to hire within the trade if we do find well, that sure. outside and. And he really filled the shoes that, that we really felt like was going to be key to growing the culture and growing some of the pain points we had in that department. Yeah. And so, um, you know, he is, and that's the plumbing side. The HVAC service manager, he does have a trade background, um, yeah. actually run his own deal for a little while, and um, sure. you know, brought him on. Yeah. So uh, I got to ask, so the, the, the gentleman who uh, did not have the plumbing background, what was his background and why did you think he would – he would fill that need so well. You want to take that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. you know, That's the buck. <laughs> yeah. Here you go. Um, we were just, we were looking for, we were going through some pain points in the service department and we were looking for a specific, we want him to be a uh, motivator. We want him to be, you know, team mate mentality and just we were looking for a lot of things in this person and so Bryson I think interviewed him first and immediately he says man you're going to want to interview him you know so we brought him back in for a second interview pretty quickly and yeah. we just I don't know we just kind of knew after talking to him he just fit the culture he fit all of our you know faith and family beliefs and it was just easy almost. And so uh, we knew though going into it, it was going to be a battle with the technicians with him. Yeah. So we were pretty slow pace on, you know, kind of getting him in. We explained to them why we did what we did, you know, what we were after, what we thought they needed. And then we were both very much involved for the first probably four months. Okay. Uh, uh, him coming in, taking over the manager role. So. Okay. Now, yeah. Oh, go, so, ahead. go ahead. Well, just to, you know, kind of spin off that, he, he had a military background. And okay. so gonna ask you. the the camaraderie and the team aspect and all that, he really understood and he understood the importance of it. And yeah. so, you know, when we set out to look for this person, that's what we were looking for. And that's, that's really where that fit, I think. And, and exactly what, you know, what Rachel said, we, we really were forthcoming in the information like, hey, this guy doesn't know anything about the truth. We're just yeah. going to tell you that now. That's how it is. And so, sure. but the roles, and we told them, these are his roles and responsibilities, what we wanted to do. Manager, yeah. And this is why we think he'll fit those. Yeah. And he, you're, you're going to teach him along the way, the plumbing side and the trade side. And, uh, you know, I think we were open and honest about it. And, and not to say it was perfect and smooth, but I think it, no. it overall ended up going pretty well. How, this is this is this might be a tough question, but you know because this wasn't you're not him, right? But you're observing what's going on. How did he earn the respect of the team? You know, it, I mean, it, it's a hard again hard question, but maybe think. But was there certain actions that he did, or he tried not to over, you know, act like he was a hot shot? I mean, what what did he do to, to earn those guys' respect? Well, like I said, he used his military background in what he was doing, and so. Um, you know, he did ride-alongs for two months, mm -hmm. every bit of it, and he rode with each technician for a full week. He, if they worked late, he worked late. If, you know, they did an after-hours call, he did an after-hours call. And, yeah. you know, he earned their respect that way. He basically said, look, I'm your apprentice here. 
um, I'm just here to help you. And he yeah. worked with them in the field for as long as he could. Um, you know, and we set out a schedule and a plan for him and he fulfilled that and, and really that's how he earned it. That's outstanding. Now let's talk about what he's bringing to the, the team. Like what, what certain things about him? What is, is it just the, the leadership? Is it just the coaching? What, what are some things that, you know, again, he, how does he help your, your technicians become better? Cause there's going to be people that watch this or listen to this, that maybe you're outside our group that are going to go, what in the world are they doing? You know, but, but there is value, right? No, it's not good. a lot of good companies do it. So you guys aren't the only ones, but just for those people that are, want to know why and how he you know he helps if you can walk us through that that'd be great sure um you know i think um he's a trailblazer so and people that are in culture index you know know what that is and yeah. so he's naturally wired to be in that position in a service because it's a fast-paced environment so there's a lot going on a lot of moving parts sure and i think trailblazers and and that wasn't why we picked him out originally first, but it just, uh, you know, it seemed to really fit. But he naturally fits that environment. He's fast-paced, but he's also personable. So he's got the social aspect. He's got the fast-paced aspect. Um, you know, and, and he's always thinking. He's always moving. He's always doing something. And, yeah. And so, you know, when you complement that with the teamwork aspects that he has and the military background and the camaraderie that he wants to build in a team, you know, it's just a perfect storm at Steamark. That's great. That's fantastic. Um, who now? So who on the technical side though? Like who is reviewing? Is he reviewing tickets? And because he couldn't do that at first, right? You're not being able to look at a service job and go, why did you not offer this option or whatever? Who? So who handles that function or helped him with that at least early on? Um, it's been a combination. Um, he caught on pretty quick, um, and he understands pricing and things like that, so he caught on that very well. Now the technical side. Um, you know, he would ask fellow technicians, um, I say fellow technicians, technicians on his team, and then myself, he would he would call a lot. And we've got our operations manager on the commercial side I've mentioned before. He's been involved sure. in the service side some, and so he's a very good technical resource. So we basically just identified a few people within the organization and said, hey, if you have technical questions, you call these people here, and if that one don't answer, move to the next one. Yeah. Very good. That's great. Now your managers, again, I'm thinking mostly service side because that's what right. That's what we are as, a, as an organization. What key KPIs do you, I mean, is it just gross margin you really want them to focus on? Sales? Or what, are, what are the key numbers you go, we need you to drive this? That's more my area. <laughs> With my accounting, I guess, background. You know, that's, we teach them um, top revenue, labor percentage, material percentage, gross profit. You know, all of the items that they can control. Um, so every month we'll sit down and we'll go over those items along with overhead and those things as well, because the more they know and they understand, the better they're yep. going to do their job. But really, as far as KPIs, I mean, we're looking at um, average ticket, you know, closing rate, CSR booking rate, um, along with, you know, the labor percentage, gross profit percentage and material, really. You know, in yeah. service, those are, those are your main ones. And if you're looking at all of those daily, the top line is going to, you know, take care of itself almost. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so that's, you know, those are the items he really pays attention to to look at. That's great. Now, I, I don't want you to share anything that, you know, sensitive, but in terms of how the managers are compensated, do they are they compensated off of some of those numbers as a bonus? Yes. 
Yeah. So he has the base, and then he has monthly, uh, based on the gross profit percentage, he'll get yeah. it. Yeah, so ours is scaling. Um, you know, gross profit, let's just, for instance, 50 to 53%, he gets a percentage of sales, 54 to 56, a higher percentage and on and online. That's great. That's fantastic. That's great. Um, let's see, where do I want to take this next? So, um, oh yeah, I know what I was going to ask. So, you know, this has been a lot you guys have covered over the last couple of years. And, and you're talking about watching, you know, labor percentages when you've got people coming in and going and you're trying to find the right kind of people and then you've got materials prices that have been crazy this year. So how, has there been any of those have been really overly challenging over the last couple of years or have you guys gotten it pretty under control and your numbers and getting to where you need to be? You know, were you going to say something? Go well, ahead. I was going to say, so I have been more in service um, background since I started. And so it's kind of not my baby more than others, but, you know, I've really focused on that and I enjoy that side. And so I was going to say probably our labor percentage. And that was one we struggled with when we first, you know, it was SGI or service. Certain path wants you to be at 30%. Right. We were like, oh, well, direct labor is 30%. And then when we realized that was direct and indirect, we were going, wow, we're really high. Yeah, so yeah. when we really kind of focused on that, we had to raise prices. And that was, I was always not against it, but, you know, it was harder for me because right. I was taking customer phone calls, you know, back when I first started. So I kind of understand, I understood it. And so when finally Rustin is like, we just have to do it. So when we did that, then it was like all the percentages, you know, started kind of just aligning and coming into place. And we obviously were making a lot of changes all around. But that to me was probably our biggest one with the labor percentage yeah. and getting that accurate. Yeah. Yeah. We we were at thirty four percent direct mm -hmm. labor at the time and we're like, there's no way that a company can operate at twenty. There's no way. Yeah. And we, yeah. it's not like we were paying our technicians, you know, hundred and fifty thousand a year. It wasn't that either. It yeah. was, you know, just the way our business was set up and structured, there needed to be a lot of changes to get that to where it needs to be, but it just wasn't. Yeah, you know, oh, go ahead, Rachel, were you going to say something? I was going to say for anybody, you know, maybe new or starting off, when you learn and understand the value that you're giving to your customers, the, you know, raising your prices and stuff makes sense. You know, yeah, yeah. we want to train our technicians. We want to send them to certain paths of, you know, training. And when you do all of that, yes, it costs money, but we are giving you a value that you can't get other places. And right. so I think, you know, as owners or managers, when you realize that aspect of it, it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So yeah, I the I want to talk about training oh, just if I could, but uh, to kind of wrap it up on pricing. How frequently are you guys raising prices, looking at pricing and saying we need to adjust it? I mean, again, materials are going up, there's labor issues, so you know you gotta pay guys more. So how frequently does that happen? Before this year, just once a year, we would make a 7% increase, give or take some. Um, this year, just due to inflation, what's going on, we're gonna raise them at least twice, if not probably three times. Right. Um, and you know, what we figured out is smaller increments of, of price increases it's a lot better for the company and the customer. The customer doesn't have to see that, you know, for your reliable customers, their loyal customers that you service all the time, they know it's going to cost. Yeah. And so, you know, when you make these gradual increases, it's better for the business and better for them. 
That's great. That's fantastic. Um, on the training side, like you said, it's an investment, but if you're going to raise your prices, you got to be able to have people that can communicate why the price is what they what it is and the value they're getting, the warranties, guarantees, all that good stuff. What um, so it sounds you send what your texts to the training. Obviously, it's nice that we're you know we're in your market kind of. It's a little bit of a drive, but it's not an airplane ride. Talk about yeah. What's your what's your training look like today? So we use the the certain path onboarding uh, process, and we've molded it a little bit to to sure. you know our business. Sure. And so there's a there's a pretty good amount of training just in that. And then once they complete that, they go out in the field for an X amount of time. Then we take them through service essentials, usually at uh, SGI's office, depending on you know the class schedule. Um, and then once once they're done with that, typically we get them ready to get in the truck. And then sometime in their first year, we'll take them through the plumber's advanced course. And this is on the plumbing side. That's great. Uh, so those are all the trainings that we hit that are mandatory. And then, you know, then they're a part of our weekly training. So our both of our service teams huddle every day. But then every Wednesday, um, we have a training that, you know, we'll just, we set a training schedule for usually no more than six weeks. Because if something is like a hot topic, we'd like to be able to hit that. Yeah. And so we try not to go too far. I know you guys, uh, Missy always wants us to do like a 26 week schedule. And I'm like, you know, I'm too, uh, I'm too indecisive for that. I may want to change it. So, um, but we do, we book out, we try to schedule six weeks out on our trainings. And so, you know, as they're getting formal training, they're also getting training here every Wednesday. That's wonderful. A uh, big part of, of performance is, you know, there's the training and then there's accountability. You know, it's the, the not fun part, but it's a part that is obviously hugely important. So uh, do they have, does each truck have an expectation of a certain amount of revenue produced or, or do you like a baseline and then other higher performing techs have a higher goals? Or again, do you have just kind of a, an over average goal that every truck needs to do this much and that's what everyone knows? We don't know because I believe each technician is different, has a different background and yeah. uh, different expertise and do different work. So we basically take each technician and we mold his goals and things on what he's done recently. And obviously if they're brand new, then we're going to kind of fill that out a little bit. But, um, yeah. you know, we meet with them one-on-one, -on -one, go over their numbers and what areas they need improvement on. And so, you know, do we have just one baseline? Like everybody has to hit that number. Okay. So you meet one-on-one -on -one and talk with them about each individual. Now, now, it's not you. It's the managers that are meeting with them, right? Or is it you? Yes. Manager. Oh, How frequent do they have any other one-on-ones throughout the year to kind of just see what's going on, uh, you know, or is it just pretty much the training? And I, I'm assuming, does everyone come in every morning with huddles or what do you guys do in terms of face-to-face uh, -face interaction? Yeah. So like I said before, our huddle is every day, uh, 7.30, 15 minutes. You know, go over some quick things and how we did the day before, go over the numbers and our trainings on Wednesday. Uh, the one-on-ones typically happen uh, once a quarter. And so okay. they'll go over their numbers. So, you know, the manager will give them feedback and tell them where they're doing great. So, you know, we're areas of improvement. Yeah. Do you feel like those have helped with, with retention and, and maybe understanding what's going on with some guys that otherwise maybe they would have flamed out because you didn't know what was going on? Oh, tremendously, tremendously. It, it's all about connection. You know, we, we are in the people business, whether it's customer, employee, coworker, however you want to look at it. And yeah. so I tell all of our managers, if you can establish connection with each one of those, you know, and it doesn't have to be a best friend, personal connection at the work or anything like that. But no, sure. The more face-to-face -face time you have in a one-on-one -on -one setting, 
the more connection you're going to have. And so if you can do that on a consistent, regular basis, then it's harder for that person to kind of pull away from the organization or, or leave for, you know, let's say down the road, they're offering a dollar more an hour, whatever the case yeah. may be. Um, you know, it's going to insulate you a little bit. From that. Yeah, that's great. Rachel, how about you on the office side? I mean, you've got a big team. Do you, how often are you guys meeting? I know sometimes, you know, uh, it's it's a little different. They're not front facing and seeing the clients, you know, they're they're crunching spreadsheets and everything. So uh, they don't always get to see the fun part of when someone thanks you for, for you know, making this big repair in the house and you made my day. So it's 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 not as fun on that side, but how do you how do you keep that personal connection with that side? You know that it is very difficult because each department is so different. So we meet once a week, the entire office team, and um, I t I, we actually are starting a um, Bible study. <laughs> so oh, okay. I do different things in those. So we might go through um, a Bible study with all the girls. I've done to where they come up with ideas or thoughts on That's making great. things better. So we kind of do not specific department-related items. We do yeah. kind of more generic. So I do that. I also do one-on-ones with each one of them. I'm not as good. I do them usually like twice a year. If I can get three, I might do three. But I try to make it a point every day to walk around five, ten minutes. I'm going to yeah. talk to one of them, you know, kind of see how they're doing, talk stuff outside of work. And then we also do, we might do a happy hour to where we all meet and, you know, yeah get a drink so we do different things outside of work as well where i try to build those relationships yeah no that's great well i mean and, you know being in the office you're in front of each other all the time mm -hmm. it's different with the technicians they're in the they're in the field 95 percent of their day so right. uh, and i'm sure there's lots of conversation you know when someone's having a rough week because something's going on so then you can have that side conversation i will um, say this um yeah you know when you're going through the um degree what am i trying to say when you go through EP and you're starting establishing all the things that, that you need to do in your business, race prices and all that, that's all first. The value that everybody, well, that we've been talking about, it starts with the office and the call centers. That's the first point yes. of contact that they have. And yes. so I don't think they get enough recognition. I'm going to bring yeah. that up. And, you know, they kind of, we talk about technicians and sales and all these kind of things. They have a lot of KPIs. Yeah. The office doesn't necessarily have a ton of them. You know, it's call booking rates and things like that. But, um, yeah. You know, I think in a sense, sometimes I get overlooked, and that is the most vital part of adding that value to your business you're is that person right. that answers the phone the first time they talk to somebody that's with your business. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Do you guys, uh, are you, you listening to phone calls, or how do you keep an eye on on performance on, on those ladies uh, answering the calls? Or yes. do, do they sell okay. out of clubs? I mean, is that part of their, their role as well? We use service patterns, so every okay. call is recorded, and so yes, so we'll listen to calls, we'll kind of train off the call, what maybe we could have done better that yeah. time. Um, membership, we're working on this. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that earlier, you mentioned that earlier. I, we're working on that. Um, yeah. our, our ladies are amazing. When It was kind of funny when we went to the Culture Index and they all did theirs, all of them were spot on with, you know, kind of what you want to see us RMB. So I was going, wow, right. at least we did one thing right, was, you know, our, our call takers personality. So you just did the one thing right, though. Not Nothing yeah, else, just the one thing. Right. <laughs> they're, they're great with people. I mean, we have certain customers who call and they want to talk to them only, you know, yeah. so they build those relationships. 
the membership, they will put them in, you know, in when they're doing their scripts and stuff, but I wouldn't say that we're great on selling them over the phone. That's all right. Do, I, I'm sure they do a good job of collecting information though and helping the technician yes. to your dispatchers. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They, make those little notes of, oh, it's so-and-so's anniversary, you know, and kind of bring up that kind of stuff. That's great. Yeah. There's there's certainly an art to it. And you're, you guys are absolutely right. I'm guilty of it more than anybody of, of not talking enough about the office, but without them, none of this stuff happens is the front front part of the company. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up. Um, all right. We, we are over an hour. I really appreciate your time, guys. This was a lot of fun. I don't know if it's felt like an hour, maybe it's felt like seven hours, but God bless you for hanging with me. Uh, and, and, and wrapping up, uh, you guys are both really young. You've got a really growing, aggressively growing business. Where do you see it in five to 10 years? What Do you have any big visions of where it's going to go? I think where our issue is, is aligning our two visions. Because of, <laughs> I'll let her go first. No, we're polar opposites. Yeah. And so somehow we've managed to work really well together. So my uh, strong traits are maybe his weak and his strong yeah. or my weak. And so we do work really well together. But yes, aligning us a lot of the time is sometimes sure. a struggle. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So to answer your question, um, you know, we've got big dreams for really all departments, but. Um, you know, I think our, our HVAC stuff specifically we actually just kind of went over his for, I know it's already August, that sounds crazy, but it's going to be September. Um, you know, he wants to do $3 million next year and $5 million the year after. And so as yep. a business, as a company, you know, I think in the next three to five years, we'd like to hit the $30 million mark. I yep. say that because Rich was like, I don't want to be that big. That's where we I differ see your eyes bulging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, our our normal growth is 15% a year. This year, we, we thought we could do 20%, and that's why yeah. we set that goal pretty high. Um, we're going to struggle to hit that. I think it's going to be close, but we'll see kind of how it all yeah. how it all plays out. But, uh, you know, 15% a year, and, you know, in three or five years, I'd like to be at the 30 million mark. That's great. And the profit margin looks right. I mean, that's obviously what really matters with all the growth. So you guys have done a good job mm -hmm. with that. That's great. Um just uh, kind of in wrapping up, maybe the last thing is what, what you know, if you talk to a, a new, you know, Expo's coming up here, you know, you guys have been members about three years now. You'd say you run into a new member at, in Denver. What, what are some things you might say to him or her to help them along this journey of, of redefining their service business and getting everything moving in the right direction? What are maybe some things you wish you would have done that you didn't do? Yeah, um, I actually have two things, yeah. um, if you don't mind. So no, go ahead. I think the first one is comparison. Um, each person is running their own business. You know, I'm going to say running their own race as a metaphor. And we're all in different places. And I think I was really bad about that up front when you get in and you see all these businesses just thriving and doing all this stuff. And it's like, you know, maybe they started five years ago. Maybe they started 20 yep. years ago. We don't know. And, yes. you know, it's all specific to what that one person wants out of life. What, what they want their business to be. You know, for instance, I want our business to be 30 million in, in five years and she doesn't. And so, yeah. you know, I think, but as we compare our business to others, it's a demotivator, it really is. And it can tend to distract you from what you need to focus on and what you need to do. Yeah. And I think I was pretty guilty of that up front. Um, my second thing would be know your value, know your worth. Yes. Uh, you know, you may go to, you know, let's say if you're small and you're still in the field and go and 
and just know your value. Your value is not what the cheapest guy turned in to that customer. You know, if you're bidding against a competitor on the job or something like that, you know, charge what you charge, bring the value that you bring, and and believe what you do. And if you do that, I really think you'll be successful because you know, as Simon Sinek says, I'm still part of his you know kind of speech, but people don't. You know, people they start to believe what you believe in when when you really trust it and you know your value and you stick to that. Yeah. And I really think customers can buy into that and that's what they purchase. They're purchasing that belief. They're not purchasing that service or that, you know, that's on everything. Yeah. Product. Those are two yeah, those are two really good nuggets. Cause you're right. There's a lot of I mean it's a big group. There's a lot of really successful people in it. And it can be really easy to get, oh man, why well, I feel like I'm behind, which is not the case. I mean it's just where you started, right? Uh, so and that's really neat. And then knowing your value—that's the first thing. I think feel like you walk out of EP, you got to know your value to charge what you need to charge, right? Um, Rachel, I, well, how about you? Anything that you feel like if you saw someone new at 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 uh, Expo in Dallas, or you ran into an EP, some things you might might pass along? Don't get frustrated with like that. You guys tell us every Expo, every deal. You know, you're going to come back with a hundred items you want to change or do. But I know you guys say pick the top couple and start yeah. with those. So I would say, you know, pick the pricing and then also the value. So to me, the biggest thing was for us to show our technicians the value we brought and really kind of, you know, show it to them where they understand it. At that point, when your technicians are understanding the value, they're much better with the customers on yeah. you do raise those pricing. So those go hand in hand when you raise the prices, make sure your technicians understand the value and can show the value. Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, those are the two largest kind of points that we struggled with. Sure. And I would just say, you know, be patient, you know, don't try to do everything at once. Um, you know, start with adding just the service fee and then maybe, you know, raise your prices. So do it just a little by little to where you're not overwhelmed. That's great. That's great. And you both, you talk to Missy a fair bit, right? I, I feel like you, you don't, you lean on the organization. You, you utilize it like you should be doing, you know, which there's a lot of members that don't, they feel like they want to go it alone. So maybe speak to that yeah. value of having an outside source. Having an outside source, you know, with certain path, but not, not only that, but the over a thousand members, you know, yes. that are part of it now. And that's just as important. We haven't missed an expo since we signed up. Uh, yeah. I take that back. We missed yeah. one. We had COVID. Yeah. Um, Can't do anything about that. I didn't that. miss it, but so you know things like that. We we just get so much out of and it really reshapes your business moving oh. forward. Well, yeah, I, I wasn't fishing for compliments, but I just want people to take advantage of it. There's so many people that, but there are, there, it's, it always blows me away. There's members that join and then they don't do anything for like five years and then they wonder why they haven't changed or gotten any better. But mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Rachel, what were you going to say? No, that's what having missy and then mickey on the hvac side you yeah. know having those people i mean we would call you know when we had trouble when we were having trouble with the manager hey he's doing yeah. this you know help us how do we <laughs> you know walk through this or are we overreacting just having that person there to kind of either they're going to tell you you know what they think or what they've seen people do before it's just very um what's the word i want for it reassuring i guess yeah. Yeah. To have that person to where you can throw ideas off of, and then they're going to turn around and give you, you know, what they've seen. And like you said, there's a thousand members, so they've seen a lot of companies go through the same thing. Yeah. More than likely. Yeah. No, that's a really good point. That's great. Well, hey, 
You guys have been fantastic. I really appreciate all your time. It's very exciting to see where your business is going. Thank you so much for for almost 70 minutes here. Uh, hope hope you didn't miss any meetings on my behalf, but I really just appreciate it and want to thank you. Thank well, we, you. Thank you for having us. Really enjoyed Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Hope to see you in Denver. Hope you got that booked, and I'll, I'll see you there. We'll definitely be there. That's Rachel Cummings and Rustin Mays of KMP Plumbing, Heating, and Air in Mansfield, Texas. I hope you enjoyed today's show, and if so, please like and subscribe us on YouTube. If you're on your favorite podcast player of choice, please leave us a five-star review. The two seconds you take to leave a review will help other success-minded contractors like you find us and hopefully get a little bit better, which elevates our entire industry. And please join me for future episodes. This has been The Successful Contractor, powered by CertainPath. Support for this podcast comes from Shuby. Shuby makes it easy to take your customer service to the next level. Show your clients you care with their full line of extra-large, extra-durable products made specifically to protect their home or business. Shuby products were made by service professionals for service professionals. None of those cheap, thin shoe covers that tear on the job. Their booties are made tough. They have surface protection products for every floor type to make sure you don't leave behind scuffs or scrapes. And don't forget their coveralls, made with an extra-long torso for ease of motion while keeping your uniform clean all day. Let Shuby prevent the hassle of cleanup by preventing the mess in the first place. Put your best foot forward with Shuby today. Visit their website at www.shuby.com or give them a call today and mention coupon code CPPOD10 to receive 10% off your next order. The Successful Contractor Podcast is part of the Certain Path family. Certain Path builds successful home service businesses and has for 23 years. We do it by providing contractors with a proven path to success, professional coaching, software solutions, and a member community of over 1,000 contractors just like you. Doubling your sales with a 20% net profit and an inspiring company culture is all possible. Let us show you the way. With Certain Path, success is made certain. Visit www.mycertainpath.com for more information.